Welcome to the Adoption Journey Podcast. It's your host, Tarsha Smith. And I am very excited today to have the founder of the Birth Parent Finder, Mr. Jay Rosenzweig. Hey, Jay. Thanks, Tarsha. And thank you for pronouncing my last name correctly. (laughs) Because you know I practiced. (laughs) So I want... um, I'm going to give in a nutshell, but I would love for you to go more into detail because I am sure there are some adoptees in this community that could use your help. But he is the person that you want to go to if you are looking for uh, your birth parents and your birth family. He has an extensive career in doing this, some of the most amazing stories, and he's even helped a few celebrities. So Please let the people know um, what the Birth Parent Finder is, first of all. Well, the website is birthparentfinder.com, and it was formed in 2006 as a branch of my private investigation company based in Los Angeles, which was JR Investigations. I still do PI work, but not as much as I used to because Birth Parent Finder keeps me very busy. I'm sure. And... I started it on a fluke because I've located birth parents before, but not in bulk. Okay. And in the early 2000s, my niece, who's she was uh, adopted out of Los Angeles, she's black, and her my 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 brother-in-law and his wife at the time adopted her uh, at birth. And I was at her house, and she was on her computer, and I said, "Maggie, what are you doing?" She was, "I'm looking for my birth mother." And I said, I think you're going about this wrong. Let me take over your computer. And I go, do you have her name? She goes, yes, but it's very common. And I said, kind of like your kids. <laughs> um, yeah. So so she, I said, don't worry. I said, where, where did she live in Los Angeles? She goes, Inglewood. I go, fine, I'll, I'll do her name, Inglewood. And then I go, where do you think she lives now? She goes, I think she lives in right outside of D.C. in Maryland. I said, no problem. How old is she? She goes, she's supposedly this age. I go, boom, there's your birth mother. That took five minutes. She goes, you're kidding me. I go, no. So fast forward, got a hold of them. She got a hold of them on her own, which was fine. She was an adult. And uh, everything worked out. We had a reunion at my brother-in-law's house. And a few years later, Maggie got married. And I met her entire birth family. So That's Maggie amazing. Goes, right. So Maggie goes to me. She goes, you know, you're really good at doing this. Why don't you have a company that specifically locates birth relatives or birth parents? So I found the domain name Birth Parent Finder and the rest is history. Wow. That was really a fluke. And yeah. I'm glad to hear that her story ended up like a really good story. How often does that happen? Are they all good? Well, I know they're not all good stories, but is it like half and half or? Uh, you know, that's really a good question because I get asked it all the time. It's, I don't like putting a percentage on it, but really, it's about what the adoptee's expectations are. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your expectation? Do you just want medical history? Do you want a reunion? If you just want medical history, we can get that. If you want to know who they are, if you want pictures, we can get that. But there's a lot of adoptees that say, yes, I want to know who my birth family is and I want to meet them. So that's probably 75% of the time. Okay. And that's That sounds like a lot, but for us, it's not because we have so many cases. Right. And I, and I remember. It sticks with me, the other 25% that don't want any part of it. 
And my job is really to connect families. And do I feel if I don't connect them, it's a failure? Well, no, it's really about what your expectations are and reality. I mean, a lot of these times, you know, you'll have cases where we reach out to a, let's say a half brother, and that half brother has 15 other siblings born out of wedlock. Why would that person want anything to do with my client? And I get it. I totally get it. Because it, it, it brings up sore wounds. And it's like my, my father and my mother had a lot of kids. I didn't want any part of this. But my job specifically is to get them that information that may give them closure, like the, the, the health history. What do, they, what do they look like? What were the circumstances of the adoption? And, and that's, if I can get that for my client, I've done my job. Right. So I know some adoptees are scared to take this reunification journey. What would, what would you say to someone that's afraid to, to take the leap? What would your advice be to them? Well, first thing I would say, what are you afraid of? How was your upbringing? That's really important too. If, if why, I don't think, why, why is that important? Well, if they had a lousy upbringing and have a lot of animosity toward their adopted parents, then they'll have animosity toward their birth family or their birth mother. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot. I don't want to take a case where someone has ill feelings toward their birth mother. I won't take it. They're not ready. You have to be ready for this journey. And being ready is I'm ready for anything. I'm ready for finding out who they who they are, who they were, knowing what they look like, knowing my medical history. And I'm also ready to be I don't like using the word rejected because how could you be rejected when you weren't accepted in the first place? It's, 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 think about it. You weren't, when I'm saying accepted, I mean, they don't know you. They don't know you. you you're, they're placing you up for adoption and putting you, well, sometimes you don't have a choice. You're in a home with great people. That is your birth family. And however, if let's say, I usually don't talk about this. It happens once in a while. Let's say you were adopted and then, given up again. That's the rejection. That's a horrible feeling. That doesn't happen often, but it does. It does happen. And usually those clients are not in a good place, but don't think of it as rejection because you weren't rejected. You were placed in a loving home. And also people don't like to talk about abortion. I, I always tell clients, I say, look, your birth mother gave you life. She did the best thing for you. She gave you a life. You have a good life. The answer is yes. You have a bad life? If your answer is yes, then you know what? I don't think I want to work with you. Um, but I will take your case to give you medical history. And I don't think if you have a bad life and you want to meet your birth family to get a new family, that's really not a good idea. And I'm realistic and clients understand where I'm coming from. I want to know where they're coming from. Um, and usually clients usually agree with what I'm telling them, but it's really about what they're what they want. So do you, and just so that the listeners are clear, because so you can find a, the a, a birth family and just give the client just medical history and then they can walk away and be done. If that's if what they want, yes. That's and it's interesting you brought that up because I have a client right now, that case is going to go public. It's a high profile one. It's a high profile one that's going to probably either be a documentary, make the news, or we're going to do something with it because it's big. It involves big time Hollywood 30 years ago and even more than 30 years ago. And she just wants one thing, my client, health history. That's it. Nothing else. We've confirmed the birth parents. They're both alive and they're not talking. 
they're not talking. Their kids aren't talking. And they, she doesn't have any other kids, but he does. A ton of kids. They won't even get back to me. And the DNA is very clear. She is definitely the, the daughter of both of these people. And, and they're not cooperating. And this case has been open since January. She only wants one thing. She doesn't want a reunion unless they want one. She wants her medical history. That's what she went into this with. She knew generally who her birth parents were before, but she hired my company to verify it, reach out to the family, explain the situation, let her know she means no harm. She's not going to pursue anything. She doesn't want their money. She's well off. She just wants this health history for herself, her kids, and her grandkids. She has grandkids. How hard is that? Seriously, how hard is that? She just wants that. So in that particular case, that's all we're getting for her. That's all she wants. And like I said, this this case is still open. And I just want to close. It's, 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 it's not my fault. She's not mad at me because right. I've identified. And I've given her some additional information about her birth father. That's chilling. I'm not going to talk about it today because you'll find out about it eventually. But <laughs> it's, it's so chilling that this birth father was we're going to call him the Harvey Weinstein of his day. Okay. So I'm going to go back to the medical history. <laughs> there you go. And um, just to let any adopt, or excuse me, any birth parents that I'm listening to, and I know that you and I talked and you shared with me that now it's mandatory. But when I was placed for adoption in 1975, I don't, I guess it wasn't mandatory because I didn't have medical history. I grew up um, going to the doctors, especially as I got a little older and it says, you know, what's your medical history? I didn't know. I now know, at least my maternal side, I can fill out that information. I actually just went to the doctors based on some information that I recently found out and um, grandchildren as well. It's so important. And I don't know. It, it is. is very weird to go through life without it. That's so, the key. Yeah. That's what most people want. And we'll, I'll give that. You call me up and say, hey, that's all I want. I don't need to know anything else. So you'll give medical information. And if they want a reunification, you'll even make sure um, that happens too. Mm -hmm. um, I want to know, let the uh, people know how long you've been doing this. So I'm going to give my age, basically. Uh, so uh -oh. I, I started as a private investigator in 1982. It's been doing all kinds of investigation work. Got my license in 1990. Uh, got involved with the California Association of Licensed Investigators. Was on their board for many years. I was their president. I was their chairman of the board. And then I took a break, opened Birth Parent Finder. And then five years ago, I got back on their board and became chairman again. Okay. So I'm one of the few people in that association that does birth parent finding. Birth parent finding. Right. And we're actually having a conference coming up at the end of this month in Sonoma. And birth parent finder is going to have a booth because a lot of PIs, this is not what they do. They call me and say, hey, I have a client who's looking for their birth family. Can you help them? And I won't do subcontract work for that. I will take the case directly because they need to work with me. And I'm glad that you exist because I have heard people... Um, say, I want to find a PI so I can find my birth family. I actually had a guest um, not too long ago say just that on the podcast. And I'm actually going to refer her to you now. Instead, and tell her you don't have to 
get the PI because she's still she's still looking and wants to find. Um, she is a, aware that her birth father is deceased, but she wants to find his family. And so I just need to let her know that, you know, this is what you do. Right. And, um, and also, oh, I'm sorry, the the everyone and I told you this, everyone should take a DNA test and we prefer ancestry first because more people test with that company. And what's so special about Ancestry versus the other ones? Because I had this question myself, because I have not taken a DNA test yet. It's just a database bigger than the other companies. They're very well known. And the other companies are good too. 23andMe is a very good company, but more people test with Ancestry. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Now, say I test with Ancestry, but my birth family tested with 23 and one, will you not find anything? Do you have to test it with the same company? Well, there could be people on both, but we also upload it to GEDmatch, Family Tree DNA, other companies. And they okay. kind of overlap sometimes, but uh, but yes, I would say Ancestry is the first choice. The first choice. Okay, because that was my personal question um, when I was thinking about doing this, because I still need to uh, I would still like to find my paternal side. If you follow the podcast, you know I have found my maternal side. So um, that was the question. Um, and one another question that I think you should share, because I want people to know how good you are and how credible you are. I know there was a, a, a high profile case in LA with a newscaster there that won you a lot of awards. Can you talk about that sure so that was 2013 i get a phone call from a from a like an intern from ktla channel 5 saying hey look we know you locate birth parents we're going to do a story about our morning news anchor chris shovel in his search for his birth family he was adopted in florida in the early 1970s and uh i said sure so they said will you be on tv quite often and we're going to run this story until the case is solved so they brought me into the studio and I talked about me and how I work and how difficult this case might be. And it took six months to solve that case. Six months. And now, is that a long time for yes. a year? Okay. It, it was, well, it was reasonable amount of time because we had nothing. Nothing to go on whatsoever. Didn't know okay. anything about his birth family. He was able to get his non-ID because he requested it. And then... Not many people know this, that some investigator in Florida said, hey, you could pay me $1,000. I'll break into the records room and get you that information. It's like, why? Why would I go through life knowing that I did something illegal like that? It's like, no. It's like, no. So what I did was I contacted this because we weren't going anywhere with this. DNA wasn't big back then. And Ancestry came in and found no relatives of anything we can put together. So I contacted the state of Florida. They have an adoption unit. And that's how we got his non-ID. And I said, can we take this one step further? Is there any way we can petition the court to have his records open to give the birth mother's name? And she goes, I tell you what, you back off, <laughs> me. And though she was right. She goes, and I'll work with your client. Normally, this is normally not done. Basically, I tell you, sorry, 
we'll get this done and it, we, we'll put this on TV and and we'll get the magistrate and we'll ask the magistrate if he would open the records based on medical history. Magistrate came on. By the way, it didn't cost him a lot of money. It cost him maybe a hundred bucks in fees. That's it. Magistrate came on and said, Mr. Schauble, I see no reason why we can't open your records and let you know who your birth mother is. Time went by, a couple months. They reached out to the birth mother. They, by the way, I was they gave me the birth father's information. I was able to find his brother, reunited with him, his brother. And then they reached out to the birth mother. And she goes, oh, my God, I'd love to meet my son. She lived in Texas. They met. It was filmed. And my business went up tremendously because I'm of sure. it. And that's the story that got Birth Parent Finder to the next level. Chris and I are very close friends to this day. Um, oh, and by the way, it's a, it's a biracial adoption in 1971 in Florida. And it took him a while to get adopted because he was adopted by a white family out of Colorado. And by the way, originally they would not let him be adopted by a white family. He said, that's unacceptable. I didn't know that initially. But yeah, it's like, I, I just had a, a guest on and he in the 70s and his mom had to fight as well because he's black and she's they're white. And it's like, really? And, and Chris had the greatest childhood adopted by the best people. And he, he had no reason to find his birth family other than health history and curiosity. But it was a really nice news story. Um, it was nominated for an Emmy, nominated for a couple of news awards in L.A. I got to go to the shows. I got to go on stage when the awards are presented. Now, I don't get the award because I didn't work for the news station. Right. Later on, based on my work with adoptees, with birth mothers, and by the way, I do work with a lot of birth mothers. That's another thing. And we'll get into that in a minute if you have time. Yes. Um, um, the California Association of Licensed Investigators gave me their Distinguished Achievement Award for my efforts in investigation, community service, and in support of the industry. It's a huge award that's not given out every year. So I got that during COVID on Zoom because they couldn't have the conference. They couldn't have that presentation in person. <laughs> so it was a very big honor for me to get that award. And it was based on a lot of my work with Birth Parent Finder and also with the association. So tell me, what services would you offer a birth mother? We probably... I would say less than 20% of our cases come from birth mothers or birth fathers looking for a child that's out there. And I love working with birth mothers because 90% of the time, the child is going to want a reunion because they don't know how to find their birth mother. It's easier working with a birth mother because she has their date of birth, where they were born, and possibly the names of the adopted parents. And the adoptees aren't going to get that information. You know, it never occurred to me the other that the birth parents would go look but i guess that's yeah now have you yeah. ever done a case where the adoptee was like yeah no i'm good yes okay yes i've had a few of them and you can go back and look at our social media and look at one case and it still bothers me uh it i was working with a birth mother who my job was to connect the birth mother with the adoptee. These were twins that were separated at birth. The birth mother kept one of the twins. My job was to bring everyone together. By the way, she never told her daughter that she was a twin, twin. that she had another child. This was, I think there were 20 at the time. So she still didn't know. So my job was to facilitate this reunion and make sure that everything would go well 
with the adoptee and the daughter that she kept. And also her mother, the grandmother, didn't know either. Everything went beautifully. And everything went as I said it would be. Everything. And by the way, you can watch that series. It's on my YouTube page. It's on my IMDb page. We put a, it was called a birth mother story. We put a five-minute sizzle reel together. And um, the story is not complete. It's to be continued because the adoptee um, didn't want this to be continued. She wouldn't sign a media release. And I did this for her pro bono, believe it or not. I, she was the one who wanted me to reach out to the birth mother. And the birth mother and I are very close friends. I'm very close friends with her husband and and the daughter that wasn't adopted. I actually went to Indiana two years ago and filmed her story. And it was beautiful. But the adoptee just was bitter that the birth mother rejected her. And my job was to show that she really wasn't rejected and that she has a better life now um, because the birth mother didn't know which child would be placed for adoption. And I even interviewed the doctor in the, who was who delivered the twins. And he just said, well, we just, just it was well, baby number two. Now I'm going to have to go and watch because I'm curious why you would keep one twin and give the other one up for adoption. It's controversial. And I got the answer to that. And she was not in the right state of mind. She had no financial resources. She She only wanted one child and somehow she had twins. And she wanted to give the second child a better life a life that she could give one child. She could she could not give two children that same life. Whether that I and I, I don't know if that would have been true or not. Most likely it would have been because she would have been her husband worked four jobs. Four jobs to support her and her daughter. Um, now did she not have another like a, a relative that possibly could have taken the twin? She didn't want to do that because her mother was kind of controlling. She didn't want that to happen. She wanted to do, do things on her own. Um, it's very controversial. It's it's um, and look, I I don't judge people. I don't judge people. I Absolutely. Didn't, I didn't judge the birth mother. I'm not going to say what she did was right or wrong. Um, it was her decision and her husband's. And um, the bottom line is, the adoptee was told a lot of things about the birth mother and her self, her supposed selfishness. And we work with a psychologist on this who was very, very astute. And said great things that the birth mother, I'm sorry, the adopted mother should not have said horrible things about the birth mother and support the birth mother in, in the birth mother's decision. Because the birth mother did pick that family. And obviously that was a good family for her to go to. And the birth mother made a decision to put her with a family that liked horses, that was religious. And she got all that. She was a champion rider, by the way, both girls are champion horse riders and both of them work as dog groomers how do you like that <laughs> and they're they're pretty much identical twins, but, thing is, is, but, is yeah it happens a lot we've had cases yeah. where they're where the where everyone in the adopted family uh, i'm sorry everyone in the birth family is, is is in the medical field nurses doctors and our client was a nurse so i have one more question to ask you before we close hmm. wrap it up here hmm. i'm curious to know how common closed adoptions are today because it seems like and i could be wrong during my time you know i was born in the 70s it was more every everything seemed to be more closed versus now open is that true well it depends what state you're in but more states Ooh. are opening their records and i i honestly think that most adoptions today are not closed because of dna yeah. 
anyone, even even an infant, could take a DNA test. Right. You're not supposed to, but you can do it. You can do um, it, and it's going to show your family. So there's zero point for a closed adoption. Now, if it's in another country, that's a different story. We do take cases in certain countries, um, and we've solved them. But most people in other countries don't take DNA tests, and these adoptions are closed. But you have to go in as as, a, as an adopted parent. You have to go in knowing that more than likely your child that you adopted is never going to find their birth family. You have to understand that. If if it's out of the country. Right. Okay. Russia is a tough one. Russia right now, well, you, for, I think in the last 20 years, you couldn't adopt the child out of Russia because it, yeah. it happened. Sorry, but, yeah. uh, and we've had, we found birth mothers in South America, Mexico. We got one, we have a birth father we found in Mexico. That's, it's on my, did I post it? <laughs> I think. You know what? Sometimes some I haven't posted because I'm saving them. Um, like you do too. You save some of these stories. Um, it's, it's on there. It's Sharon Peacock, and she her name's on there. It's fine. Her it's on our YouTube channel, and it's a story about finding her. We found her father in Mexico, and like your story, we used Facebook. Facebook was huge because his name was Luis, something very common name, and. Based on DNA, we found some of the DNA relatives or second and third cousins. So what we did was we saw those people in Mexico with those last names and their first names. They're on Facebook. So we looked at their relatives and we found a Luis, whatever his last name was. And we had a picture of the birth father from 1971 or whatever year it was. And we compared it to this guy's picture. It was the same guy. Wow. Hard part was getting a hold of him and people believing you can't message people on Facebook unless you're friends with them. They may never see your, you know, how that works. They may, they never, may never see it. Up. Right. They may never see it. After two months of reaching out, I told my client, go ahead. And, and I usually tell my clients, don't reach out on your own. Let us do it. We, her and I together reached out to every single person on Facebook and his sister finally responded. And the picture we had of him was with his sister. And she goes, Oh my God, where'd you get this picture? She goes from my mom. And then they're meeting next month in Mexico. That's I would I would have gone, but it's a it's a bad time for me to go. There, it's a heck of a story. And <laughs> by the way, she's cousins with. You ever see that documentary, Three Identical Strangers? I it's on Netflix. it's on Netflix. It's about triplets that were separated at birth for an experiment. I'm gonna have to go look. And at one that. of them committed suicide in his 30s. She was relatives with one of the, with the one that committed suicide. So it's. It's all connected, but it's a heck of a story. Um, and we've had these stories. We just sometimes yeah, we can't. have got some incredible stories. We could talk to him for hours because he's been doing this a long time in the stories. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and wrap up here. I thank you so much for being on the Adoption Journey podcast. And just one more time, please let the people know how to find you if they want to use your services. It's really simple. Our website is birthparentfinder.com and our social media is at birthparentfinder. We're on all social media. 